right, we're back at it. It's been a, it's been a while. Marcos, what's going on, man? Bruce, how are you, man? It's, it's definitely been a while, but you know how life is, but I'm glad we can get back together. Yeah, man, all is well with me. Um, it's summertime, and uh, things are getting hot and heavy with the NBA. Uh, I'm thinking with this with this podcast, we could just focus on NBA and, uh, you know, kind of get, get the listeners up to speed on the, the latest happenings and, um, you know, get a little hot take on a few items and uh, go from there. What do you think? All right. Sounds good to me. Let's get started. All right, let's do it. All right, so I think one of the first things uh, that's on the menu, uh, New York, New York, New York. Um, Phil Jackson, KP, Melodrama, uh, just to kind of get everyone up to speed, what's going on in New York? The New York Knicks are still a dumpster fire. Last time we talked, I think they were, they were a dumpster fire. Uh, they had ended the season, and instead of losing like they should have, they ended up getting the eighth overall pick. Uh, and basically kicked themselves out of a top five pick, um, which probably could have turned into DeAndre Fox or one of these other guys. But unfortunately, it's the Knicks. So the Knicks ended up winning a few games at the end of the season, meaningless games, and got that eighth pick. Uh, Phil Jackson is still trying to burn down uh, the Madison Square Garden. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I feel like, I, you know, it feels like he's doing it on purpose. Uh, a buddy of mine, let me get your take on this, Marcos. A buddy of mine said that Phil, he thinks Phil wants to get fired. Uh, what do you think? You think Phil wants to get fired? Like he's doing all this stuff on purpose because he wants to get fired? Yeah. I don't know if I believe it, but. Well, how old is Phil Jackson? Is he 80? Man, Phil, Phil Jackson's got to be in like his, the 70s or, I don't know, late, late 70s. So, so I can't, I, if, I mean, if you think about it, the president of basketball, his title is president president of basketball operations, I believe, or something like that. I think he has president yeah, title, right. yep, and he's, he's running uh he's running a, a multi million dollar organization that's really a very nuanced and narrow industry, right? So there's going to be a lot of rules, there's a lot of just idiosyncratic things that you have to do within that business. Which when he took that job, he didn't have that experience before. So it's okay. almost asking a guy that's 70 plus years old to take a C-suite level position at a Fortune 500 company and had never really had experience on in that business, but had experience with an aspect of that business. So I always thought that the job was too much for, for Phil Jackson. And then, you know, naturally, as you get older, some of the details are going to like maybe kind of leave you. So he doesn't have necessarily the PR filter that somebody in that position would have. So he would have never said things like, yeah, we're listening to offers for Chris Stapps, Porzingis. Yeah, or would yeah, have never that, even that. had the the we the filter that went off when he was talking about LeBron and his posse and just all those implications that that work with the brand of the of the franchise. Yeah. But I think that he's just getting getting older, and he spent a lifetime in basketball, so he's just not with what what it, what it requires for to run an organization. Yeah. That truly is is your business is making sure that nineteen to thirty year olds are playing well. Yeah. I think he may just be out of touch. I think so. I think I think the Phil Jackson that we are seeing right now is the same Phil Jackson that was the coach of the Lakers and the Bulls. He's doing a lot of the things that worked when he was a coach. You know, kind of playing the media to speak to his players. Um, you know, kind of playing these mind games. As a coach, those things can work, but as the, the president, you know, and head of basketball operations, 
dude, those things don't work. You know, you're going you're gonna to run into issues with your star player when you're throwing him under the bus. Uh, and then also uh, when you start alienating the, you know, the, the, the cornerstone of the franchise and, and KP, um, and, you know, obviously KP missed the exit interview at the, yeah, at the end of the year. And from all accounts, they haven't spoken since, you know, the end of the season, which to me is a major disaster uh, on Phil's part. Um, and, and obviously, Melo, you know, still uh, another headache uh, with the Knicks. Uh, and I think my take is that by the start of the season, Melo can't be on this roster. There's no way. There's, and there's really only three options, right? There's a buyout, the stretch provision, and a trade, right? So obviously, they buy him out, they negotiate, hey, we don't show a team. We'll give you X dollars. They agree to it. That's a buyout. And then he's free to sign with whatever team he wants, right? The Cavaliers or the, the, the Clippers or the, the Spurs. Uh, the stretch provision, which says they will stretch out the remaining uh, money that's owed to him over a certain period of time. I mean, it's five years. Um, and then just pay him like, you know, like 12, 10 or 12 million per year until they reach, you know, the, the 50 some million that he's, he's guaranteed uh, or trade him, right? And, since he has that no trade clause, I don't really think that is going to happen because I think Carmelo Anthony is digging in, and I think he wants to stick it to Phil, and I think he really wants to be here in New York. So I think, oh, oh, you know what? There's a fourth option. I think Melo could. Uh, I think he could. Uh, I think he'd be perfect with the big, the big three league. Uh, so you know, he plays ISO ball, right? <laughs> Doesn't have to play defense. Um, so my, my hot take is I think Melo would be a superstar, a bona fide superstar in the big three league. It's perfect for him. He, play, he doesn't have to play any defense. He can go ISO all he wants, and um, he'll be the best player uh, in the league. So, so yeah. So I don't know. What, what, what's, your, what's your take? What do, you, what do you see the Melo situation playing out uh, by the start of the season? Well, I think a trade is off the table, and I think that why that's off the table is because he saw with his no-trade clause, he'll never agree to a trade, and then you saw what happened to Jimmy Butler going yeah. to Minnesota. Even though I think that's a good situation for him, so we'll talk about that later. But I guess the thing, I don't think he would trust uh, Phil Jackson with his fate. So they gave him that contract, they gave him that deal, and if I'm Carmelo Anthony, I'm like, you guys are going to honor the deal. Now, I could definitely see a situation where he gets bought out and then signs with another team. Yeah. Possibly Cleveland. Him and LeBron have been friends since they were teenagers. Um, <laughs> which, yeah. I mean, which which at this point, you know, when I look back and uh, against the Warriors, you know, we needed, we needed people that could score buckets at the end of the day. So, and Carmelo so, Anthony could do that. Yeah. So, so, I, I, so, that's, so, that's, so that's actually a perfect transition. Uh, to the Cavaliers. So, so obviously we're talking about Melo. So, what do you think? Uh, what do you think the 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 Cavaliers need in order to actually compete or beat the Golden State Warriors? So, from a completely you know unbiased perspective, even though I'm, you know I'm a diehard Cavs fan. If, all, if LeBron James stays at that skill level, right, if he stays exactly the same as, he, as he's played now, and he might even play better 
because at the NBA Awards last night, they didn't even mention LeBron James' name, and he's still the best player in the world. So I think he's yeah. going to come back in the league with a chip on his shoulder. So mm-hmm. LeBron James plays at LeBron James's level. The margin for the margin of the way the Cavs lost really wasn't as great as the kind of the paper really indicates if you really watch the games. It really became down to like a lot of momentum, and there was just shots that the Warriors were able to hit that the Cavs couldn't. So when game three uh, that the Cavs lost, that they were winning most of the game, in the last three minutes of the game, they couldn't get a bucket. Well, they just mm. need somebody that can score can score points consistently that we can trust to score to, 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 that can score a basket. So, like, somebody that can consistently give you 10 points besides the big three. J.R. Smith may give you zero one game, and he may give you 35 the next. Yeah. You're not, yeah. You're not really sure, but I, we know that even though without defense, which Kyrie doesn't necessarily play great defense, nor does Kevin Love play great defense, but the Warriors aren't that great of a de- defensive team that, that if, you, uh, if, you move the ball, if you move the ball enough, but you, but, you, you know, can but score I, on them. But I think, I think you can say that about most teams in the NBA. If you move the ball yeah. enough, you can score on them. I mean, I, I, I would disagree with you with the fact that I think Golden State – uh, team defense-wise, they're probably and actually no, I would, team defense are probably one of the one of the best in the NBA. And even individual players, they're probably up there too. Well, well, I do no, I do agree that the Warriors are, are a great offensive and defensive team, and I think Draymond definitely deserves the uh, defensive player of the year. I guess it's yeah. very skewed because they're such a great team that it almost mm-hmm. made like Cleveland look like they weren't a great team, right? But I think that Cleveland team is actually really really good. Yeah. They just played against an extremely great. Warriors team. Yeah, I was so, a generation type team, I think. Yeah, so I, I think that Cleveland, let's say you take somebody like Carmelo Anthony, who's going to, at the end of the day, going to give you at least, what, 15 points at minimum? A game? Minimum. I mean, you, you could almost say that he could probably give you 20 points at minimum. Yeah. He's a, he's a 20 and, point and, and can score in any different facet of the game, right? So, it takes the load off of LeBron, the scoring load, who likes to play more of the facilitator role anyway now. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that I, I really wouldn't be opposed to it. And so, I think that he likes LeBron and he respects those guys. You Obviously, Carmelo or Phil Jackson, that's just a toxic environment. Yeah. So so my, my only problem with Carmelo is offensively, I think he would fit in perfect with um, with LeBron, right? Because – Olympic Melo always plays great. And what I mean by that is Olympic Melo, when he's playing off ball um, and he's he respects the guys he's playing with, he plays much better because he's more catch-and-shoot Melo, more quick decision Melo, and he plays just awesome. The problem with Melo is when you ask him to play de- defense, Melo doesn't give – and, and, and that was the problem when he was in New York. He didn't give 100% on, 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 on defense all the time. A guy like LeBron is going to demand, I think, he's going to demand uh, 100% defense, you know, from Melo all the time, which I don't – Melo, he's never done it, both because he chose not to do it and then also because one of the things that – one of the problems in New York with Melo is uh, in the offseason he trains very hard. So, like, you'll see all these pictures of him, like, looking crazy at the beginning of the season. But as the season progresses, as it progress, progresses, it's been reported that Melo likes to take it easy on his body during the season, right? So 
he doesn't he doesn't do the same things that he was doing in the offseason. So Melo, his conditioning starts to decrease. Starts to, and that's not you can't have you can't be you know come the dog days of like you know the finals NBA finals you can't be out there you know being the most tired guy out there. So that's why I think Melo offensively would work, but defensively I, I just I just can't see it. All right, so let's play devil. Let me play devil's advocate a little bit, right? So if I, if I'm and I don't I don't know, like so if I'm Carmelo Anthony, I have all the talent in the world, and I'm playing for the Knicks organization. Who we've seen the track record of Phil Jackson, the people that run the organization, it, like you called it a, a dumpster fire. So, yeah. I mean, maybe he's never been in. He hasn't been in a situation recently that he hasn't gotten what he signed up for when he came to New York. He hasn't got the support that he signed up for. Um, I don't think that they've really truly tried to build a, a good enough team around him, a good enough organization really around him. Mm-hmm. And then even every night he's going to have to take the majority of the, the – take the blame for everything yeah. that's wrong. Even when you go back to when um, – who was the guy, uh, the Asian kid that caught fire uh, when, in New York? Jeremy Lin. Yeah. And then they started coming – Jeremy Lin had three good games and it starts coming up like, well, who's going to take the last shot, Jeremy Lin or Carmelo? Like, he hasn't ever really been su- supported, really. So he's probably yeah. going to be kind of like, I'm not going to keep wasting my time giving everything I have for an organization that doesn't have my back. But see, but see, and, and I, hear, I hear what you're saying. My, my problem with Melo is this season is a perfect – this last season was a perfect example, right? Uh, here you had a team, talent-wise, that should have, been, should have made it to the playoffs. On paper – Beginning of the season, I think everyone looked at the Knicks and said, look, this team has enough talent to at least be in the playoffs, whether that's, you know, 7-8 or 6 seed. They had the talent. The problem with Melo is he's not that dude. He's not that guy to kind of, you know, will a team. And you, you need that from the player that everyone respects and looks at as the team leader. But he's just not the guy, right? You know, there were times in the season where the team needed Melo to say, hey, look, guys, we're, we're slacking on defense. Uh, the point guards, you're not stopping the ball. You know, guys are just running into the lane, and it's causing all kinds of havoc on defense. Melo's just not that dude. And, he, and, and no one on the team can hold him accountable, and then he definitely doesn't hold anyone else accountable. So I, I hear what you're saying. And maybe, maybe with the Cavaliers, or maybe with a team uh, of with a cast of, of players that he respects, he, he might he might become that guy, or he might do better. But the thing about Melo is, I, I get it, I get it. You know, he's the team is the the organization has done a terrible job of putting talent around him. But at what point do we say, Melo, look, you're the you're the superstar on the team, or you're the best player on the team? Um, air quotes, right? So at what point do we say, Melo, you got step up and, and take charge. And, I mean, and he just hasn't done it. He, I mean, he's had, he had the one great season where they won 52 games uh, or 54 games um, back in like 2012, 2013, but that's about it, man. I mean... Well, maybe yeah. uh, that's why Cleveland will work out because he won't have to do that. That'll be LeBron's job and he could just play basketball. You're probably right. You, you know what? You, 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 you're probably right. But my only thing is that um, guys who – dude, he's been in the league for, what, eight, nine years now? 
Guys don't start More playing defense. Like thir- it's like 13, right? Closer to 13. Uh, probably. He came like in two, two, 2003. Probably. He, came in with, he came in with LeBron. So that's 2003. Uh, you know what? You're right. You're, you know, you're right. Yeah, you're right. I'm bad. Yeah, you're correct. Yeah. Um, so, it, it's, so, okay. So all that being said, I don't think you can get a guy <laughs> in his 13th season all of a sudden start playing defense. So, no, you're right. I mean, so, okay, quick question. Quick question then in that direction with Melo's career. Let's, is he okay. a Hall of Famer? Is he a first yes. ballot Hall of Famer? Yes, no question about it. Uh, multi Olympic gold medal winner, uh, multi All Star. Um, first, he's been. I think he's been on a couple first teams. Um, you know, great ambassador for basketball. Yeah, I think he's an All Star. Question for you, uh, uh, Jr. Any anything is possible. Smith does he make does he make the Hall of Fame? No, I, no, not at all. I don't <laughs> see his pedigree. But but you know I'm a J.R. Smith fan, so I, oh, I mean really? even before even before he came to the Cavs, I think that he just has this unique uh, unique skill set. Or you know or, um, I'm just a fan of guys that have like all the potential in the world, but kind of d- doesn't always reach it. But yeah. it's still fun because you show see the brilliant talent. I think Gerald Green's another guy that I think has a lot of talent uh, mm-hmm. that could jump out the gym. He won, like, the slam dunk contest. He's, like, his, his head goes above the rim consistently. He has, uh, you know, a lot of talent, but it, just, it never gets put together. I think J.R. Smith's the same way. But you yeah. know that, that J.R. Smith seems like a good, a good guy, so I, I, I like him. I, I mean, I, I think I, I've, always, I've always liked J.R. Smith. I mean, like I said, I think the only problem with J.R. is um, – <clears throat> he doesn't have uh, a high basketball IQ. Right? On defense, right. he's he's always losing his man, um, and you know he's always out of position. And those are the kind of things. Uh, yeah, I said this before. You on a championship caliber team like the Cavaliers, you can't have a guy who who has a very low floor and a very high ceiling, and, and that's what J.R. Smith is. You know, you got to no, have more. Con- you got to have more consistency out of that shooting guard position, um, and I, I think if if the Cavs want to compete with the Warriors, I think they they need to upgrade Jared Smith this offseason. Um, oh yeah, for they, sure. That's why I was so disappointed that uh, J- Jimmy Butler went to Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. So 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 we're, we're gonna get in. We're gonna get into the Jimmy Butler talk when we talk about that. But let, let's let's transition over to. Um, the uh, NBA awards ceremony. Uh, okay. So, do you, do you think uh, do you think Russell Westbrook deserved the MVP? Um, I, I, to be well, it, it just depends on. I just don't feel like we're very clear on what the most valuable player means for the for the league. Um, mm-hmm. If we're saying who had best season, then okay, right? Then I could see it. I could see the argument for James Harden. If we're talking about the most valuable player in the NBA, LeBron. then I just, don't see, I just don't see how LeBron loses. So <laughs> I just – I need to say that, but yeah, yeah. But I, so I don't know. So I, don't, so, I mean, I think, if, I think that it's well-deserved because I think that Russell Westbrook plays like – Every game, like it's literally like his last, and he was able to do something that hadn't really been done before. 
So I'm not mad at the at, at what happened. And when you watch his games, I mean, I don't really think they would be a playoff team without Russell Westbrook. So okay. I, I agree with that 100. percent They're definitely not making the playoff without Westbrook. But but but, so. but you could but, but someone could also argue that um, James Harden company, although even without Harden, they probably would have made the playoffs. But with James Harden, dude, that team was. I mean, that team looked awesome, right? I mean, even the. It, I, I guess, but my only issue with that is, you know, I, I'm I'm a really I'm a big I've said this even before. Like I'm I'm not really big into system guys. So like, mm-hmm. Steve Nash won two MVPs under that D'Antoni system. So but it's he, like but I, I don't Nash. know if it's Harden or the system. What? So you don't you don't think Steve Nash was was an elite point guard? Well, I think he he was, but I I think well, did he win it over Kobe one year? He yeah, won he two did. years back to back. Yeah, two yeah, years yeah. back to back. He won. Yeah, he won. Uh, he won. Um, uh, uh, he won a couple times. I was like, did they really give it to Steve Nash? Um, yeah. So, but he puts up crazy numbers in that D'Antoni system, which is big yeah. on getting shots up very fast within the shot clock. And so, I, I mean, and that's perfect for James Harden. I think James Harden is fantastic. Um, I, I have a little bit of issues with this game, but I can't really hate on him. Yeah. So he definitely deserved it as well. Yeah, it, it sounds like someone probably could have made an argument for uh, a few different guys, right? James Harden, uh, LeBron James, uh, Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi, I mean, yeah, <laughs> Kawhi. Um, I mean, you could make an argument for all those guys, but I mean, I think I think at the end of the day, um, I think. Russell Westbrook, what he did, you know, averaging a triple double. Now, to be fair though, I think LeBron could have LeBron could definitely average a triple double if he wanted to, right? Yeah. But I think Russell Westbrook went out there and you know did it with the intent, played with the intent to get a triple double, right? Um, which again, yeah. I can't necessarily knock him for it because you know he went out there, he he had his goals, he got it, his t- his team made the playoffs, so. Yeah, I mean, uh, someone could probably make an argument for any one of those guys and be be legitimately, you know, correct. So, so so what about what about defensive player of the year? Uh, Draymond Green, no no arguments there, or Kawhi Leonard, or uh, Rudy Gobert. I you know I, I can argue. I mean, I thought Rudy had definitely have an argument. I I, I think that. There's really not an award that Draymond Green could win that besides Defensive Player of the Year, but I feel like it's almost kind of like not necessarily defensive, but like hustle player of the year. You know what I mean? Like he he kind of does all the things that a team really needs to win, a selfless player that, you know, that that does it extremely well on a, on a really good team. So it's almost kind of like he gets all the 50-50 balls, he hustles, all those kind of things. Do I think he's the best defensive player in the league? No. Mm, so okay. that's how I kind of look at it. So I, I don't really have any arguments for that because I do think that he's not going to win MVP ever, but I don't think the Warriors are the Warriors without him. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, I, I think I, I watched this one um, YouTube video and they were talking about how Draymond Green, when he's on the floor, he's like, it's like having a, a defensive coordinator or 
coach or middle linebacker that's out there because he's he's always talking, uh, he's always verbalizing, you know, what he what he wants his teammates to do, what the offense is going to do, and what he's going to do. And yeah, I mean, we, we both watch enough basketball, and I don't know if do you do you I don't know if you play basketball, but um, yeah, having having that communication is critical to any defense, right? Because when guys know, you know, when guys are talking, you know, you you know, hey, you know, I'm helping here. I'm, I'm going to double the fullback. Right. So, yeah, those things make a world of difference. So, and Draymond, dude, he can guard all five positions. Yeah, he can, he can. No, I think that I think that it, it, it's deserved. I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a. I'm not knocking it now. And I really hate to sound like a homer, right? Like I really hate to sound like to talk about LeBron again. But it part of it's hard, and I know it's the regular season. For me to say how how does the defensive player of the year win defensive player of the year when somebody literally averaged a triple double against you the whole entire finals like I, I it's just hard for me to to accept so, it. So let, let me let me counter that by saying I firmly believe the Golden State Warriors went into that finals with the intent to say we are only going to let LeBron James beat us. We're not going to let anyone else beat us. And by game three or four, LeBron James is going to be gassed. And he was, yeah. right? I mean, when you, yeah. when, when I, when I watched, when I watched the, uh, you know, game two and three and four, you could see it in LeBron's face. Uh, I, I no, right. he, like, he was gassed. Um, so I think, I think Steve Kerr and those guys, they said, okay, you know what? We are only going to let LeBron James uh, beat us. So, LeBron, you know, give us your best. And by, you know, by game five, you're done. You know, you, you know you, you're not going to be able to. And, and also, they, I think Steve Kerr knew that, that, the, that the Cavaliers were going to have to play LeBron for extended minutes. So, there was no, no rest. That, you know, and every time you saw when he went to the bench, the Golden State yeah. Warriors went on like a run. <laughs> so no, yeah. So yeah. No, I think yeah. You're no, you're exactly right. I think that the statistic was it was like overall when LeBron was on the floor, they outscored the Warriors. I think something crazy like that. But the margin yeah. when he was off the floor was crazy, but so big that yeah. yeah. So it, it's really, which is insane to me, just when you're talking about who's the best player and MVPs and all that stuff. But whatever, I get it, and I, um. It's just interesting. So I think this. So what do you think? What happens next in this in this next season? You know what's going to happen with? I think Paul George is going to be the first domino to figure out what a lot of other teams do. Um, you know, oh, you know. Let me let me stop you really quick. Let me. I, I said on an earlier podcast it was very idiotic that I said that Paul George and Kevin Durant were comparable. That was the oh. dumbest thing I might have ever said in my whole life. <laughs> yeah, dude. yeah. You know what? I. I, I... I was thinking about that the other day when you when you had said when 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 I was watching KD play, and I was like, yeah, Marco said this guy was like on the same. Yeah, level. no, no, it's you know. So I take that back, and it takes a okay. takes a man to admit that he made his mistakes, and I definitely made a mistake with that one. No, no doubt. Yeah, dude, <laughs> that's what, that's what, that's what we were saying. And uh, Jeff and I were like, yeah, dude, Kevin Durant is he's he is that dude, and yeah. I mean. I, you know what? What's interesting is I think we are now witnessing the rise, the official rise of Kevin Durant. As now, yeah. I think don't get me wrong. I love I love LeBron. I love his game, 
And to me, he he is, uh, you know, the best player. But I think you're probably now going to start seeing the, the decline of LeBron. Um, but he's still going to be a superstar. But I think you're now going to yeah. see, you know, the decline of LeBron compared to the rise of KD. But on the on the okay on the flip side though, if you put LeBron on the Warriors and KD on the Cavs, would we even say that LeBron's on the decline? Because with that team, you can hide a lot of his weaknesses. Yeah. You're right. You're, you know, you're right. You're right. He, you know, you're one hundred percent correct. If LeBron played for the Warriors, he probably wouldn't have to exert as much energy playing the game uh, than he does with the Cavaliers, which is crazy. Because could, could you imagine? Could you imagine that? Yeah. No, man. Yeah, he's passing. LeBron obviously likes to pass, so he's passing the ball to J.R. Smith and Iman Shumpert. But he's, he would be passing it to Klay Thompson and Stephen Curry. Like, I can't – it would be <laughs> – yeah. Dude, uh, I, got, I got to tell you, man, um, nothing made my, my week, my day, my month um, uh, just go as more smoothly than seeing Iman Shumpert and J.R. Smith stink up the joint. Oh, God, that's so good. That's so good, <laughs> so good no, man. He, I don't know if you saw my tweets, man, but I would tweet every game that Iman Shumpert is trash. Like he, he is, is he terrible. He is, he is, he really, he really. You know, and what's you know what what's crazy about it is he should. Ha- I, I don't understand why he didn't develop into a better player. Like he has, he has all the physical tools to be, you know, a a a, a good. Uh, shooting guard, but he just he just never really developed, and I don't understand why why he never really developed like that. I mean, defensively he's he's great, right? But then he's a liability on offense, and yeah. So I don't know. Um, so 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 what about uh, last one? Um, most most improved player. Uh, they gave it to Giannis out of the compo. You think uh, he deserved it? Uh, and I think, I mean, I I, I definitely think so. I, now I'm a big Greek freak, Greek freak fan. Um, yeah. I think that that, I mean, I honestly think that that skill set mm-hmm. at that size. I mean, I don't think we've ever seen anything like that before. I can't, I can't think of it. I mean, even if you say like, okay, well, LeBron had all the physical tools, yeah, but to be seven feet, I mean, he literally gets up and down the court in like three steps. <laughs> he does. He does. He just glides across the court. It's crazy. Uh, so. So, so let me ask you this: Do you think, like the MVP uh, award, that the most improved player award should be better defined? And I say that, like, for example, everyone knows. I think everyone knows, right, that the Greek freak is supposed to be good. So, right. If you're, I hear you're going, yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, if you yeah. if you go to the level everyone expects you to be, is that really like most improved or is that meeting meeting the goal that you know that everyone expects you to because there were uh, there were tons of other guys that were you know that were you know role players that kind of elevated their games uh to be you know borderline well, all-star I, mean, I, th- I think that if we're talking about the NBA being a business and it being around they market they market players before they market teams Especially yeah. a guy that plays for Milwaukee, they got to market a player, not the team. Yeah. That it becomes the business of making it makes it better business wise to make him the most improved player versus maybe somebody that is lesser known. Which I don't know who else who we 
Um, I think this is the first season, though, that if you follow the NBA, you would have known about uh, the Greek freak before, right? But I think this is the first season where he kind of started becoming a household name. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think he, he – dude, he started doing things this season. I mean, I knew I've – I've seen him. Uh, you know, I've seen him play. Yeah. But he started doing things this season that I was like, wow, did he really just do <laughs> And more – yeah. like, like night in and night out, like every game he was doing it. Um, but I think, I think that also has to do with the fact that um, Jason Kidd, didn't he have him play more point guard this season? Yeah, I think he's officially their point guard. Which is a, yeah. he's seven feet and he's like really actually their point guard. Yeah, that's dude. That's crazy. He can see. He can see over the dude. He can see over uh, uh, the point guard who's going to be out on the um, the perimeter trying to guard him and just tear him up. So uh, I think I think the the Greek freak is uh, definitely uh, you know another player that uh, is going to be making you know making noise for the next couple of years, especially in the playoffs. Yeah, no, I so, agree. Okay, um, so let, let's uh, let's talk a little NBA draft. Uh, okay. Marquez Fultz, uh, right decision to go with him as number one, number one pick. I think so for sure. I mean, he gives Philadelphia a, a score, somebody that yeah. uh, on the perimeter, and they haven't really had that in a long time. Um, he's big. I think that, you know, for a young team like that, they just need to get as many assets as possible that have a lot of talent. I really like it a lot. Yeah, I I, I mean, I like I like the pick. I don't know if if I necessarily agree with the 76ers giving up future first-round picks for him, though. Um, I think there was I, – I'm, I'm not sold that Marquez Fultz is going to be a superstar. And I think you make that trade only if you know that this that this guy, this number one draft pick, is going to be a superstar. I think he, I think, I think for sure he'll be an all star. But I'm not sold on him being, you know, a superstar. So I guess, I guess we'll have to wait and kind of, kind of see. So, so let me ask you this: um, the other, the other marquee trade from that night, the Bulls. What, what would you give? What grade would you give the Bulls uh, for that trade that they made? So they got well, first of all they got Jared Levine and they got uh I can't think of the other person. So they got so, they got, so, they, so the the Bulls got Zach Levine, they got Chris Dunn, they got the um the the Kristaps Porzingis part two. Can't think of his name. Uh, um they got oh, I know uh, you're yeah, yeah, yeah uh Laurie Mackinnon, something like that. Yeah, Kristaps Porzingis part two. That's what I, that's what I call them. Um, and then I, I think there. Oh, uh, I think there was one other player that was involved. I can't think of his name. Uh, and they got. I think that was it. I think I think that was it. And they gave up the 16th to Butler. I think so. I, I don't really know what Chicago's doing. Um, <laughs> I don't I think, think anyone. That, I think Chicago fans are just as mad as uh, as New York Knicks fans in a way. Um, mm. I mean, because because Jimmy Butler's still in his prime. I mean, he's not he he's the arguably the best shooting guard in the league, if not like you know a top three shooting guard in the league, mm-hmm. maybe a top ten player. I don't know, top fifteen. 
in his prime. He's only, what, 28 years old? I, I don't know what – I mean, and they didn't get it back in return. I mean, Zach Levine is coming off an ACL injury, and I think he's going to be talented. But I, I think they want to get, get, get rid of him. And I think that Jimmy Butler wanted to play with Tom Thibodeau again. Um, it, you know, I don't, I don't, that, that trade still, I haven't really, I don't, I haven't, and I haven't really read anything as to what, what was the case because they don't have, you know, if they were traded Jimmy Butler when Rose was still active there, then I would yeah. have thought maybe they couldn't play together, but it wasn't like they, uh, Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade were having any issues. They were on vacation together when the Jimmy Butler trade went down. So, yeah, so, uh, so I've, yeah, so that, that the trade to me, it just seemed like it seemed like they, it felt like they could have gotten more, right? It seemed like to me, Jimmy yeah. Butler, to me, I think he's a top ten, top fifteen player, top fifteen player for sure in the league. Um, and all they got was basically, you could say, the number seven draft pick, and. You know, a bunch of young players. I mean, like Zach. So, so I'm looking at the trade. It was Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, Laurie Market Markinen, and the number uh, who was the seventh pick. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. So, <laughs> I don't. I, it feels like they could have gotten more, especially given given what you know some players have you know uh, gone for in the past, or maybe, or maybe you know what. This is the new NBA. Maybe this is the, maybe this is the new value for superstars, if if you know what I mean. Because what's his face, uh, Demarcus Cousins? He, there was only one first round draft picking for him, right? Uh yeah, that's true. Yeah. And someone and someone could yeah. argue that Demarcus Cousins is the top center in the NBA. Um. So so maybe maybe this is what it is. Maybe maybe this is the norm. So 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 if 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 you're Magic Johnson. Uh, are you willing to give up multiple first-round draft picks for PG, or do you wait it out? Well, he already said he wanted to come there, so I would just wait it out. Mm. So if mm. you – I mean, unless another team comes – I mean, unless he says, oh, I want to go to Cleveland and I sign a multi-year deal with Cleveland. But if I already if, – if if the asset already wants to come there, then I think that I would – I don't want to overbid for him. He, I already have a lot of the leverage, so – I would say yeah, no. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think uh, if I'm Magic Johnson, I don't pull a Knicks move um, like they did with Carmelo. I wait until he becomes a free agent. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, if I'm Magic, I probably pro- propose something, you know, that say, hey, look, we'll give you Ingram and a first-round draft pick for PG. I think that's fair. Uh, or we'll give, yeah. you a fir- we'll give you a first-round draft pick and one of these other young players – you know, you can pick one. <laughs> um, uh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, you know, but I guess I wouldn't really give up a whole lot of assets because you know what those assets are going to turn into, and there's not going to be anybody that you could put on that team within the next two to three seasons, in my opinion, that that, that are going to beat the Warriors. Yeah. So you almost got to kind of – you almost got to kind of – you don't want to sell the farm. Yeah. Yeah, and then just continue to lose to the Warriors every – Every year, I mean. <laughs> I, so, so I, to, to me, that's just a, a just a quick side note. That's just a funny notion that the the rest of the league just knows 
that you're not being the Warriors. You're just not going to beat the Warriors. So your hope is either you'll be good when they're bad or they'll get injured and you'll be really good and you'll be able to beat that team without, you know, with the, the injuries. That, that, that to me is just crazy with this NBA. What, what, you know, what has come to now? Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, we, we don't know what those type of rookie contracts. I mean, I, I don't think the the Lakers are going to be that good next year. So yeah. obviously they could turn into a draft pick. And then you have a, where those young kids, Ingram, uh, Lonzo Ball, and let's say there's a kid, uh, Michael Porter Jr., that's going to go to Missouri next year who's supposed to be the number one pick in 2018. Oh, okay. Let's say you get, uh, let's say you get a top, you know, top guys like that, and they all develop in the next three to four years. Then we're talking about an organic team that yeah. may be able to compete with the Warriors. But I don't know. We'll – and also, I'm always going to be an attractive free agent destination. A lot of people yeah. like Magic Johnson. Um, yeah. LA is an awesome place, so I should have to sell a lot. All right, I I, I agree with you. Um, you know what? The the one thing, and I, I don't mean to di- divert things, but the one thing I will say that Phil Jackson has done a good job of, I will give him credit, which is he hasn't traded away our draft picks. Um, which in the past the Knicks have basically mortgaged draft picks like left and right because they wanted to win now. Um, so that's the only thing I will give Bill Jackson credit for. He's maintained these draft picks and these assets, and uh, uh, thankfully, you know, we have our draft picks moving forward. So we're, we're going to stink. So it's good that we have these draft picks. Basically, what I'm saying. So. Yeah, and you know what? I'm going to reserve judgment on the. On the pick that you guys picked up, the kid from France, he's from France, right? Yeah, Frank uh, Nilakina. Yeah, I, I mean he's supposed to be he's supposed to be pretty good, and yeah. they obviously got it right with Kristaps, so we'll see. You, you know, I think I, I agree with you. I think the um, uh, we got to wait to see how he develops. I think with most point guards, which is with most point guards, you got to wait. I think three years, three to four years before you really can evaluate who they are going to become. Uh, you know, the great ones, you know, year one, you can probably see it, but some of the other ones, it takes time for them to develop, which is why I'm a little surprised that the Lakers gave up so early on, on, on Russell, D'Angelo Russell. Um, I think he's going to, I think he's going to thrive in Brooklyn. Um, but again, we'll, you know, we'll see. But I think with Frank, I think the, the physical attributes are there, right? He, you know, he plays defense. He can, he has quick feet. He has long arms. He has like a seven, seven foot wingspan. Um, and he has the, supposedly he has the frame uh, to play in the NBA. So now it, the question is, you know, will he be able to adapt his game and, the, you know, to the speed of the NBA? Um, yeah, yeah right. I guess you're right. Uh, we, you know, we'll have to just, uh, you know, hold off on judgment, but I think, I think he'll do okay. I don't know if, and, and honestly, all we need is for a point guard to just be okay in that system, in the system that they're going to run. So, so we'll see. Right. So, yeah, I mean, cause you know that the triangle doesn't emphasize point guard play, right? It doesn't emphasize the point guard holding on to the ball and making plays. So he just right. has, he just has to be functional and just not just like crap the bed, and I think the Knicks will be fine. I think he'll he'll <laughs> <try to be. laughs> I think he'll be okay. 
um, uh, was there any was was there any surprises in the draft uh, that you noticed? Anyone who fell <clears throat> or anyone who rose um, unexpectedly or beyond where you thought they were going to go? Uh, Malik Monk dropping to eleven. I yeah. thought to Charlotte. I thought was kind of crazy. Dude, you know what? I I was just thinking the same thing. Um, you know, everyone everyone pegged Malik Monk that you know that he should go to the Knicks. You know, which I mean, I can see that. I can see it, but at the same time, um, I can see the holes in his game currently. But dude, I I think I think Charlotte got a got a. a Hella pick, right? I mean, I think. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I think uh, I think they got a, hell, a heck of a pick. I think so too. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's uh, let's kind of um, let's bring it uh, let's bring it full circle. So so we talked about we talked about the the dumpster fire that's the Knicks. We talked about Golden State, uh, the NBA awards, uh, the NBA draft. Um, I guess we can kind of bring it home with uh, the big three league. Uh, I don't know if you saw the the kickoff, the inaugural the inaugural uh, games. Uh, what do you think yeah. about it? Was it was it? Uh, do you see it lasting long? Do you, do you see them making a splash? What do you think they can improve on? What should you take? I uh, I was actually I came in I had low expectations of mm-hmm. what it was going to look like, but then when I watched the game, I can't remember the teams. I think it was like. Tri City versus Power. I think it was Jermaine O'Neal's team Howard. versus uh, Catino Mobley's team or Deshaun Stevenson's team. And I actually thought what you get to see, honestly, is how good these dudes are, right? Yeah. So, like, I mean, how well, how, like, the the shooting was amazing. Like, even the, the footwork was amazing. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that, you know, if you're watching a half-court game, the skill level's going to still be better than watching a college basketball game, to be mm-hmm. honest, if you're just looking at it from a half-court perspective. It, yeah. gets a little bit bore- it gets a little bit boring because there's not enough, there's not enough plays. Like, there's not enough – there's no, nothing dynamic happening because you only have three players. So I can see the novelty yeah. wearing off a little bit, right? But I just think that for, for what this is, nobody's really taking it seriously as in serious basketball competition, and you get to see – some of your favorite players that were maybe uh, low A to B level players, like Jermaine O'Neal was really good for a short period of time, and Bonzi Wells was good, yeah. Patino Mobley, and then obviously like Allen Iverson. To be able to see Allen Iverson play basketball in any capacity, I just think it's a treat for the fans. So I just think that it's – I actually really kind of like it. I like it a lot, and I also think that, you know, I, I couldn't imagine Kobe ever playing in something like this. But I hope he does. The fact, I hope he does. The fact that, yeah, the fact that Allen Iverson said I would love to play with Kobe, yeah. I could definitely see somebody like Kobe Bryant like playing like one game for the fans or something. You know what I mean? So it's just a way for NBA players to kind of exercise their skill set, and they're still the best players in the world at it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so with that said, Marcos, I think um, I think we can kind of bring this uh, this episode to a close. Um, I right. think it's fun. We got it. We'll, we'll tell, we'll tell Jeff what the heck, uh, what the heck, uh, and he missed, uh, the episode. Yeah. Thanks for listening. All right. Sounds good.